Okay, the Ten of Pentacles. The Ten of Pentacles is a card of physical security. It could mean a successful financial venture, an inheritance that will provide for those concerned, or an auspicious partnership. It is also a card of traditions, so it could represent a holiday celebration or doing things the way they've always been done. If you have a question about what you should do, think back to the way your elders would solve the problem. The warning with this card is that you may be thinking that financial wealth is the only kind of wealth there is, and may be forgetting about spiritual and emotional wealth. Is there a cost that you have not considered in achieving the comfort you desire? Does anything resonate with you on that card? Like, what's the... Um, I guess, well, the fact that I haven't lost my job suggests that I am financially wealthy, I guess, or wealthier than I would be had coronavirus really stitched me up. Um, I had to cancel a trip overseas, so that shit, it didn't, didn't, definitely doesn't represent a holiday, because I'm not having that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There, there ha it, it is funny. There have been like things happening with my finances, so it's interesting that I pulled out a card that has something to do with wealth. So, and that's about as maybe a good of a link we need. Welcome to Fuck You Tarot Lady episode 22. My guest today is Aaron Osborne. Aaron, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. It is all I do now is work and podcast. So <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Oh, now that was the first thing I was going to jump straight into. Uh, listeners, if you recognize that lovely voice of Aaron's, it's because uh, you do the Oblivious Maximus podcast, which you stopped a good couple of years ago. And now yeah. you've just come back like out of the gate. You've done how many episodes have you done since the pandemic kind of kicked in? Uh, I think I've done 10 now, maybe. And I've recorded another four already. So I've done quite Jesus. a lot. <laughs> insanity so like when this ha like happened i like didn't even think of the podcast when the pandemic happened i just kind of was more like oh am i still gonna be working other things what's gonna happen where i am like and i didn't even think of the podcast and i was like fuck i probably should do it at some point so it feels like you're a real kick up the ass when like uh matt cleary was like yo i believe his maximus is back and he's doing like heaps of episodes and i'm like oh for fuck's sake even podcasters who didn't even podcast are doing more podcasts than me so i was like <laughs> i better get my shit together well, sorry to make you feel guilty and I'll give myself a pat on the back for getting you started again. <laughs> you were the sole reason. It was no one else. It was like, fuck, I've got to fucking do this again. So tell us a little bit about if the listeners haven't uh, heard of your podcast, maybe give us a little bit of a rundown. But I assume they do because essentially I think I just poached your listener base once you stopped doing it. That's fine. We can all share. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, there's, there can never be too many. Um well, I started it like five years ago, I think, maybe six years ago. Um, and when I started it, I guess the idea was to just talk to people that, um, it, well, initially the thought was to talk to people that didn't usually get interviewed. So that was the, the core concept, like talk to people who, I don't know, either were not like related to music somehow, but maybe not as on the face of it as people who play in bands, I guess. Um, cause I had a lot of friends that I thought were very interesting and I love chatting to about music, but, um, you know, never, I suppose never really got the time of day to get 
people asking them questions. Um, and then as it went along, it obviously grew into me talking to people from bands as that happens. And because most of my friends are people that play in bands, it sort of just spiraled on that way. And the old, well, the initial version of doing the podcast was kind of just starting people off by asking them how they got into music. And then I just talked to them for an hour and a bit about what they did. Um, and then over the course of like, I guess the three years that I was predominantly doing it, um, it you know it was it was really fun did lots of good chats and things like that but i just got kind of burnt out with doing it um and yeah took some time off lent a friend all my podcast stuff so i didn't have any of it for ages um and then about a year ago i had an idea about doing it again and talking to people about records they really liked instead of just talking about themselves um because i felt like i was kind of hitting the limit with all my friends and things like that to talk about themselves so there's only so many times you can have the friends back on the podcast you know yeah. it's like like how do you continue that conversation without it having like a gimmick attached you know? absolutely yeah and like my friend callum who has now done it like five times when when i think after he did it the fourth time he did it i was like how many more fucking times can we talk to each other about this but anyway he, he's he's come on the new one so um but yeah, I was, so I was talking to people about it like a year ago about doing it again. And then I went overseas and hung out with some friends and talked to them about doing it. And that was cool. And then there was no real push for me to do it. So again, I just fell into laziness and didn't do it. And then uh, coronavirus happened and I have nothing else to do. <laughs> so like I can't go to band practice. I can't go outside. I can't go to the pub. I can't go to shows. So... Um, I just started doing it again and I, I mean, it's been really cool because it's been a really good way to keep doing the things that I like doing, which is talking to people about music and listening to music and drinking. So like it's, it's keeping all that stuff happening in a more social way than me just listening to records in the dark by myself drinking beer, you know? Which is also a totally fine pastime if that's what people want to do, listening, you know? Like, I mean, nothing wrong with a bit of in the dark, getting drunk, listening to music. It is definitely what I do as soon as recording the podcast finishes. So. <laughs> that's awesome. So mm. what I'm going to do is, um, I guess, you're a little bit of a different case because, you know, people already know you from your podcast a lot. I feel like I know you already, despite sure. this is like the first real time we've talked. Mm. So I thought what we would do is we would just kind of do a couple of rapid fire origin questions at the start so we can kind of like get a bit of a vibe okay. instead of having to go deep, deep into the, uh, into like the, the canals of the history. <laughs> sure, sure. Sounds good. Because there are going to be people listening be like, I already fucking know about all this stuff already, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we'll just hit like the previously on Aaron's life. Um, okay. Uh, when there was uh, no control over the music in your house, who was playing music and what was it when you were growing up? Um, probably a relatively even mix between my mum and dad. Um, I am the oldest of my siblings. Um, so when I could rip into it, it would probably was probably was me, but. When I was when I was really little, it would have been yeah my mum and dad. My mum plays guitar and plays piano and stuff, so she really likes listening to music and loves singing and things like that. So she had a lot of <clears throat> stuff that she liked playing. A lot of like she likes Neil Young a lot and a lot of sort of acoustic singer songwriter type stuff. And then my dad 
was a really big cold chisel fan and was you know really into you know i guess like popular rock music and stuff so i had a lot of that on in the background when i was a kid and then i grew up overseas so uh i lived in china when i was a kid and um we went to an american school and all the tv was american tv shows and things like that so i kind of grew up obviously in the 90s watching mtv like a lot of american kids did so i also got exposed to a lot of music through mtv so like what were some of those key bands at that time like one of my questions here is uh your favorite music video so that might play into this is there anything that stands out from that time when you were like oh fuck yeah that video is on mtv right now there's a couple i mean probably i mean when i was a kid and i mean i, I have talked about this at length through relative jokes in my, the part the oh, on oblivious maximus but like i was a huge huge michael jackson fan when i was a kid which is now like a not really a positive thing to say that he's turned out to be like the grossest human alive but i i was a massive michael jackson fan the first concert proper concert i ever went to was michael jackson uh, when I was eight years old, um, and like I just, I mean, what tour was that? Uh, the like, history, the history tour. So like his his first big greatest hits tour. Um, is that the one that on the cover he's like a giant statue and it's all lit up and it's like, yes. is it that one? Yeah, yeah. I've recently yeah. posted a photo on my personal Instagram that my friend Callum, who I talked about before, he's a graphic designer, he made. I asked him if he could make me a picture of me where I look like that Michael Jackson and he did. And then like a week later, the fucking doco came out and he got cancelled and I was like, fuck, now I can't use the photo. <laughs> like, It'd be almost as good if you said like, hey, can you do me up as a statue as like Saddam Hussein, but like, <laughs> but it's me. Yeah. Yes. I was effectively asking him to put me as Hitler or something like that. Um but yeah, no, I, I it love- worked really well for Marilyn Manson though. So it that's did. a plus, that's, you know, like using true. the Nazi iconography. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, so sorry, I, I've cut you off there. No, no, no. I, I, I loved uh, Michael Jackson videos. I think that was like my start in, and I guess for a lot of people, MTV was so centered around at the time. It wasn't like it is now, or like it turned into was just like bullshit TV shows. It was just like music videos all day. Um, so I loved all the Michael Jackson ones. Like, I mean, obviously Thriller and things like that, but as well, like, um, you know, even like the, um, like the, you know, the, the more storytelling ones, like the one Eddie Murphy's in and all, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then, I mean, from there I got into, from like that, I got into hip hop because hip hop was obviously like also very big and popular in the nineties and in music videos. So I got into like all the old, older, like, you know, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg videos and things like that. And then from there, that kind of spiraled into new metal. And then that's how I ended up getting into metal was through like corn music videos and Limp Bizkit videos and stuff like that, you know? So... So, so the previous episode I just did uh, before this one was with Matt Cleary, my old podcasting partner and uh, drummer mm-hmm. in Blackhelm. And we just essentially talked about our top 20 albums and yep. a lot of it came back to Corn and Limp Bizkit and all that new metal stuff, you know. But yeah. it's interesting that your lineage was hip hop first and then new metal. Yeah. You'd already be like, I'm already kind of used to this, but now they're white, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe I could associate with them more. I think as well, like the big, I think the big delineation for me too was like, Right when I started getting into to new metal because of hip hop, my parents got divorced, and like new metal is music for people whose parents got divorced. <laughs> like it is music 
for 12 and 13 year old boys who are mad at their parents so you were like right there as the prime demographic for yeah new it was metal, it was the, the perfect timing for me <laughs> excellent um what was your what's your worst tattoo um kind of or most regrettable tattoo I don't really, I don't think I actually regret any of the tattoos I have. I have a lot of bad tattoos. Like, I mean, I have, my thighs are like just covered in tattoos that are, were like free when friends who were tattoo artists were apprentices. I have a, I have a Black Sabbath tattoo that's like the logo from Master of Reality and all the holes in all the letters have completely closed over. So it's just like a weird blob that, you can tell is the Black Sabbath logo, but like the B and the A's and stuff, they don't have any holes in them. So they're just shapes now. That's probably the worst tattoo. It, it's like a, it's a tattoo for people like me that without glasses, like if I look fur enough, further enough away, it'd be like, oh yeah. But then you like put your glasses oh, yeah. on, you're like, oh wait, it's. <clears throat> oh yeah, that, yeah. That's a shocker. When I, I, I think like I was talking to someone, a fr- some friends who do tattoos now and they're like, you could put like white circles in it so you could see the actual where the letters are meant to be. And I was like, well, it's been that way for like 10 years now. So I'll just leave it. Yeah, it's a part of me now. Yeah, exactly. That's how it is. It's part of my story. <laughs> um, what was your first instrument and why? Um, I mean, probably like most people, like the recorder. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think like actually... At first instrument, I think I actually st- like properly played was the piano because um, mum played the piano and we obviously had one in the house. And I think it, smart by her, but and I, I mean, I would suggest this to anyone who's like not played an instrument before, but like playing the piano is a really good place to start when you're learning how to play any instrument because you have to learn notes, you have to learn music, like how to read music to do it. So it gives you a pretty good foundation for everything else. Mm, that's actually, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. At school, they forced us all to do like a keyboard class for like one semester yeah. in like year seven. <clears throat> Just like make everyone do it. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, mm. it's, it is a good place to get people hooked, I reckon. Probably yeah. better than the recorder. Well, and as well for me, like I was like, I, I did it and I fucking hated it. So it only made me want to be better at guitar when I ended up playing guitar because I was like, if I'm good at this, then I won't have to play piano anymore. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> ooh, so this can go either way. So I've got worst gig and best gig. So that could either be gigs you've played or gigs you've been to. Sure. Um, so it can be either a four pronged question or like a two pronged question. Sure. I don't know if I. I don't know if I can remember like the worst show I've I've been to. I know certainly know like the worst shows. I mean, I've played a lot of bad shows. So um, probably one of the worst shows I ever played, which was quite surprising, is we. Um, uh, I exist. My one of the bands that I played. We did a tour in Europe with uh, these two bands, a band called Twitching Tongues and a band called Harm's Way, and. We played this show in Sweden and I was like really revved up about playing in Sweden. I was so excited to be there. One of our like really good mates from Canberra had moved over there. So we were staying at his house and he was coming to the shows. It was, it was super fun. Um, and we got to this show and there was like 
you know, load in, all good. It's in kind of like a weird youth cafe type thing, something that I hadn't played in a little while, but is pretty big in Europe, particularly in like the hardcore scene over there and stuff. Um, and it became apparent like as it got closer and closer to the show starting that like there was absolutely no one coming to the show. Like it was just just the people who were in the bands and that was it. Um, and then as it got, you know, obviously doors open, there was an opening band. There was absolutely no one there. And then we, you know, I exist, we're up next to play. We played to straight up, like it was just the other guys in the touring bands that we were touring with. And then like the promoter and a couple of his mates. And so, we, I mean, we just were like fucking around basically. We just had like a band practice in the middle of the tour and we're just playing covers and shit. And then the other guys sort of played and did the same thing. And then at the end of the show, and I can't remember if it's like, oh, this is 100% true, but basically the the reasoning we got from the dude who booked the show that it was so bad was that he was like, oh yeah, uh, in uh, Sweden, if like shows financially don't do well, the government just pays us back. So we got, like, we all got paid for the show. And then we were like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, well, you know, if I think a show is not going to do too well. I just won't promote it because then the government will just pay for it anyway. And then the band still gets to come to Sweden. And I was like, so we basically just went to Sweden for nothing to see our friend. And we got, I mean, we got paid, which is great. <laughs> but like, yeah, it was just like one of those shows where I was just like, why are we here? What are we doing this for? <laughs> um, so that's probably like one of the worst shows I've ever played. Um... I think the best shows I've played, me, I mean, personally, the joy I got out of them were like, we played with I Hate God a bunch and they're my favorite band. And like, I have loved the fact that we've got the opportunity to play with them so many times. And I mean, like I've played with them now and like, well, I exist has played with them like six times. Mental Gavity played with them. Burn the Hostages played with them. So like every band I've like actively contributed music to in my life at this point has played with my favorite band. So like can't really ask for much more than that. That's awesome. Are you like mates with those dudes now? Like do they start to recognize your face after like the fourth time you play with them? Oh yeah. I punished them so much. And I, I mean, they kind of knew me before we played with, like before I met them because at a stage and again, this might not be true, but I believe it to be true. So I'm going to say it. Um, there was a point where I was like one of like the the highest people in the, the list of their like customer base of buying their merch off their web store. So they, when they came to Australia, the, their manager was here with them and he knew me from posting me shirts. So like they kind of already knew who I, who, I kind of knew who I was because I was like this super fan. Um, and then how, but, and wait, then, <laughs> how many times did you buy merch? Like how many times are we talking like realistically? I have like, I think I have like 80, I got shirts, maybe, maybe what? more. Yeah. I have a, I have a, like a, a box full of them. <laughs> I have all like every, I have every, like any piece of merch you can think of that they've made. I have, I like where I'm sitting right now. I can see like four pieces of I got merch <laughs> from my stationary position in this chair what are the four things are they like coffee cups and things as well or is it just strewn shirts there is all over the there place? is two patches on a pin board behind my computer screen and then i'm sitting next to three guitars that all have i got stickers on them so i've got like there's a lot around around my periphery 
That's awesome, man. Um, what else we got here? Oh, first CD you ever purchased with your own money or record or tape or whatever it was. I think I, I think it was the Backstreet Boys Millennium album. <laughs> I feel Shit. like, I feel like that, that might, it, I would have been living in Taiwan at the time. So I feel like that would have made sense. Um, or, or maybe like a Michael Jackson thing around around the time that i saw him when i was a kid but you know when you're eight years old that money's not really your own so like i didn't earn the money i just borrowed it effectively as a as a bonus question with your own money like after like a paper round or whatever it is that you did what was that cd you reckon do you remember what that was um i mean it probably would have been like a pantera cd or something like back when cds cost like $50 $50 and you saved up for like a month to buy one CD. <laughs> it was probably like, I, and I, I actually remember there was, I don't know if it was in New South Wales or where, or in Canberra or where it was, but when reinventing the steel came out, there was TV ads for it here. I don't like, Whoa. not, I don't know that many people remember that, but I mean, there was a time when there was ads for music on television but yeah, there was a TV ad for Reinventing the Steel because Pantera came here like on the tour for that record. And I remember being like real revved up because the ad was like little snippets from one of the the home videos. So it was like them drinking and setting off fireworks and metal playing. And I just remember thinking it was like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> It's like the next step up from like a monster truck ad you would see on oh, TV, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Like- well, Pantera are effectively a band designed for people who drive monster trucks. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's like either like monster trucks or like tanks in the Middle mm. East. You know, like the American uh, army dudes would be like mad into Pantera still after all these years. Like uh, what's filled that void? You know, I don't think anything has. Absolutely. Maybe like a five finger death punch or something or like hell yeah or something in that similar I southern, mean, you know, yeah. army vein. Yeah, it's like probably racist and probably really bad for like society, but it's catchy, so people like it. Yeah, and like the dude from Pantera plays drums in it or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a link there for you there to is. get down with some racist shit. Um <laughs> Uh, oh, do you remember what was your MSN screen name back in the day? Do you remember what that was? Um, I don't know what the screen name was, but certainly my first email address was dimebagdarrell88 at hotmail.com. So that would have been the, that would have been what I was logging into MSN with. And that was my email. That was my email address until I was like, maybe 20 or maybe like 19 and i think i i think i changed it when i had to apply for a job and my mum was like you can't have dimebag daryl 88 be your email address when you're applying for jobs but it depends on the job maybe you'd fucking like be a shoe in well i think i when i worked at a music store it was definitely my email and i think everyone then just thought it was funny but then when it was like oh yeah like, I mean, I, I work in childcare now and I'm sure that that wouldn't have been appropriate to apply for my first jobs in childcare, you know? Yeah, just bring some Crown Royal when you rock up to the yeah. first day, you know? Like, hey, his name his name is slang for weed. Come on, man. <laughs> Give me a job. 
Oh, awesome. And uh, last one. I know the answer to this question, though, but uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Uh, Metallica, always. I got no fucking time for Megadeth. <laughs> no time no time for Megadeth at I all? Mean, I mean, they got good songs, but Dave Mustaine is an... I mean, to me, he is a terrible singer. Like, I don't know. It's It's just his voice. That's what gets me. And also, I guess I was like... You know, I think they they get they get you kind of early. I don't like. I'm not a big like shred guy, really. I like, you know, obviously being. I oh got my favorite band. I like stupid slow stoner stuff. So like, a lot of what Megadeth did was contrary to what I was otherwise listening to. <laughs> I'm a big defender of like the load and reload era of Metallica records too. So like. <laughs> I was actually just listening to the the return episode where you were talking about Injustice for All with the different yeah. potion. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that you said that because like I also have a, a bit of a fondness for that because it yeah. was just at the time when like I was young and the videos were sick. and Absolutely. Like, I don't know. They got know, good hooks on them. A- it's like it's bogan metal stuff. It's fine. It's like when you have like the flaming eight ball or like the iron cross tattoos, you know, like mm. that real... That you know, yeah, hot yeah. rod shit, rat pink, rat pink metal. Yes, big time. James Hetfield really <laughs> took over the aesthetic of the band at that point. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, now you've already mentioned through just these lovely little origin questions that you are in shitloads of bands. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I at the moment, been. so you you have been in multiple bands. So can we get a little bit of a run through, maybe like a timeline of? You know, you've mentioned yeah. in the past on your other, on your podcast about how you were in metal bands when you were younger and it wasn't as serious, but you started kind of playing hardcore shows and that's when you started playing shows. Is that kind of correct? Yeah, I mean, I played shows in like <clears throat> these couple death metal bands as well in Canberra, but I mean, they were like, they were, I mean, there was some really little ones and then I played some kind of bigger ones in this band, Reign of Terror. I played drums in that band when I was like, I mean, I was actually a kid, like I was 15 I mean, maybe I was 14 or something when I joined the band. Like, I was really, really young. Um, and, I yeah, I played in that band, another, like, death metal band with friends from school. And then... But, yeah, so I guess I was just playing shows in Canberra and New South Wales and stuff with those bands. And then a friend of mine who I worked at this music store asked me to be in this in a hardcore band with him. And I kind of was... Yeah, I mean, I was I, I just liked playing drums and liked playing music at the time. So I didn't really know the bands that they wanted to sound like, but they showed me the songs and I was like, this is cool. I can play it. They're all my friends. Um, so I started playing in that band um, and that band ended up being called Slow Burn. And that band was like, I mean, we just kind of did it at the right time and we ended up playing with like every touring hardcore band that came through Canberra, we would open the show. Um, so I met lots and lots of people from doing that. And then Slow Band was the first band that I was in that did a tour. So like we, I mean, we would play in Sydney all the time because we're from Canberra, obviously. But then, yeah, we did a tour with our friends' bands and stuff. We went to Perth. We, you know, started doing, I guess, proper regular shows I mean, Slowburn played like three shows in Melbourne at the Art House with Mind Snare, which at the time was like the holy grail of hardcore shows in Australia was playing Mind Snare shows at the Art House. So at like, the Arty, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. So, I mean, yeah, Slowburn played a couple of them and like, yeah, did a, I mean, did a bunch of stuff like that. And then three of, well, Slowburn effectively became I Exist myself 
uh, uh, Sam, who plays guitar in I Exist, and Murph, who plays drums in I Exist, they, the three of us were in Slow Burn together and I just wanted to play guitar and I just started writing songs and then that's kind of how I Exist started. Um, and yeah, the, re- the rest for me is sort of everything else has just come out of I Exist, basically. Yeah, right. Because I mean... Well, first off, the thing that strikes me is that you've gone from drums to guitar. So, like, yeah. tell us a little bit about how that happened. Like, you were just like, I'm overplaying drums or you just wanted to play guitar. Like, it's it's crazy that you can do both, by the way, you motherfucker. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not very good at drums anymore because I hardly ever do it. <laughs> but, um, no, well, I mean, when I was in school, like, everyone played guitar. You know, like, every me and everyone else, just everyone just played Yamaha C40 acoustic guitars and, you know... Then we were like, all right, we'll start a band. We got five fucking guitar players. Cool. Who does what? Um, and I guess I was the person who could keep time. So I, you know, started playing drums and my mum was the only mum who would let me have a drum kit in our house kind of thing. And um, but yeah, so I just started playing drums and then uh, I still was playing guitar at the same time. I guess and then when I started playing in bands more I kind of dropped off playing guitar almost entirely and was like just playing drums um and that's what I played in like the death metal bands and slow burn and stuff and then um I guess when we were doing slow burn more regularly we were like playing obviously touring a little bit and playing shows and stuff and I was like I guess around music a lot more and I started then wanting to play more guitar and I you know, bought a good guitar and started writing songs a little bit, thinking I was going to write songs for Slow Burn. But, you know, I ran into the problem that I didn't didn't listen, really listen to that style of music, so I couldn't really write it. Um, but so I just started writing my stuff that I liked listening to at the time and stuff that I could play on guitar, which was kind of more like, I don't know, melodic-y, crust-punk type stuff, like Tragedy and His Hero Is Gone and stuff like that. And... Um, so I wrote a bunch of riffs like that and then showed it to Sam and Murph who were in slow burn. And from there we kind of thought like, oh yeah, we can, we can start a band that sounds like this. And, uh, my friend Jake, who sings in, who sings in I exist, he also sings in Sumeru now from Sydney. Um, Jake and I went to like, did all of our schooling together. So when I moved back to Australia, he was in the high school I went to and yeah, we, we did, we went the whole way through school together and he sang in another band in Canberra and I really liked his voice. So I just said to him, do you want to come and sing in this band we're doing? And then Alex, who plays bass in I Exist, was in another band with Murph, who plays drums, and he plays bass. So we just asked him to be in the band and that's kind of how, that's just how I Exist started as like a, a jumping off point. And then because it got kind of, I mean, it got some attention at the time and we started getting asked to play shows and then it kind of overtook Slow Burn and then slow man died off and then i exist became the main thing and at that then people were like oh you're a guitar player now <laughs> like and then from there i've now just played guitar forever basically <laughs> it was kind of a fluke i kind of just like walked backwards into it if i was at like the time of practice i was definitely a better drummer than i was a guitar player and then now i'm definitely a better guitar player than i'm a drummer so <laughs> that's awesome dude um yeah it's like it's like yeah it's like uh 
what the analogy for that is it's like the analogy is it's like you're a drummer and then you just started playing guitar and then you became a guitarist <laughs> yeah i just sort of i honestly like accidentally walked backwards into doing it and it's been quite daunting too because i mean the other guys that again everyone who's in i exist plays guitar and certainly they're all better guitar players than me and kind of a little joking thing we had with our band for a long time was that we had heaps of guitar players like we still actively always have three guitar players, but like we played some shows with four guitar players and it was really stupid. And I think we, for a little while we were known as like a guitar band because they're Josh who plays guitar, plays lots of guitar solos and stuff. And I think people thought of us as like this cool guitar band. And then one of like the funniest things about like my musical life is that I did an interview for Australian guitar magazine once as like a featured guitarist. And I remember like, as I was writing my answers for it, thinking like, this is so fucking funny that I was, of everyone in this band, I was asked to do the guitar magazine interview <laughs> and I'm absolutely the worst guitar player in the band. Did you like get to do the cover where you hold up your guitar with the I Hate God sticker on it? Was that kind of the vibe? I, or was I, it just was, a I wasn't featured so prominently, but I did, there is a photo of me in the magazine. I think it is just of me recording or something, but like, I'm, I'm, there's a picture of me in a guitar magazine, so that's still like a pretty good tick on my musical resume. Is it like cut up and stuck on like your, your mum's notice board or anything like that? You know, was it like saved as a, as a, I mean, I made it. I mean, I definitely have it somewhere in my house. I, I've kept a lot of those cool, funny things, but like, I've not, I have no, I've not framed it. Maybe I will. Maybe when I'm like an old dad reliving all, like rehashing all my, you know, war stories to my kids. Glory <laughs> days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Check it out. Your old man used to be pretty cool. Yeah. You thought I was cool when I flipped that, you know, burger over. Have a fucking go at this. <laughs> Just put some I exist on. Yeah, man. Fucking melt faces. <laughs> um, so let's talk about like, so I exist is kind of on a hiatus, right? Like, are you guys doing stuff or you I back? Mean, it was you, a, you were on a break for a while, yeah? Yeah, I mean, there's no... I guess the thing with us is like... I mean, it's really weird and it was, it's was. it been kind of weird for me playing in bands here because like... I mean, I exist in Mental Cavity are kind of the same group of people. But like, I mean, those guys, are like my, they're my best friends. And like they have... I mean, Jake is actually the, the person I've been friends with the longest. Sam and Murph were both in Slow Burn with me. So, I've been playing music with them since I was like 17. Um, and Josh was like my guitar idol from when he played in blood duster and pod people and so like i loved him when i was a kid and you know and then now he's like one of my best closest friends and then same with alex like from being in he was in like a lot of punk and hardcore bands in canberra and stuff so i mean the thing for us and i suppose that band is like there's no point in breaking up because we're always going to be friends and we're always going to see each other we'll probably always play music together so like there's no real point in not like saying the band is broken up, but uh, yeah, we're not actively doing anything, but our, our drummer, uh, Murph, he, he moved overseas at like midway through last year. So that kind of put a stop on doing stuff, but because of coronavirus, he is back in Australia. So maybe we will <laughs> like, who knows? Oh, whoa. Was he, was he over here for like a holiday and then got like kind of quarantined here? No. So his partner works for the government and was on a posting in Jakarta and they all got, I mean, everyone who was posted over there by the government got brought back. 
and because of the travel restrictions now it's very unlikely that they'll go back i mean at least seemingly for the rest of this year so maybe i exist will do stuff who knows zoom jam maybe yeah yeah maybe maybe we'll start doing things when we're allowed out of our houses <laughs> that's a good thing to say if you're like oh i exist is back you know it's like well you know coronavirus man you know it's just like here's a little silver lining there you know it's yeah Could it's you hear those uh, riffs again yeah a good good thing to come out of this <laughs> so where um you said earlier about the podcast kind of died off because you were you know busy with work and busy mm-hmm. with other bands tell us about the other bands at the time i guess i exist would have been around that time as well but like what are the uh what are the limitations to being in so many bands is it just purely the amount of practice you have to do or is it like is there a lot of mental space taken up by all the different bands you're in at any given time like what's, I think uh, what was I, the i think it was probably time more than anything like it was just like like doing the podcast i mean as you know like it i mean it takes a little time to do it, it the i guess at the other uh, at the time as well for me one of the biggest pains about doing the podcast was scheduling it and planning it with people and you know taking up my time of like I mean, I would work during the day, then I would either do the podcast and then do band practice and then go somewhere to play shows and like never get to see my girlfriend and never get, you know, there's like a lot of things that start end up getting fucked up by organizing all this extracurricular activity, I suppose. Um, But no, I mean, at the time, I guess when it stopped, I exist would have still been doing quite a bit maybe we just started talking about starting mental cavity because we started that kind of when i exist was um dying off but um i don't know yeah that, that it was probably just those two things and probably doing doing a bit with i exist still at the time um but i mean i've at no point in my life have i been in one band i feel like the whole time i've been playing music i've been in like five bands at a time to varying levels so is- of performance yeah. like so I just show up to the gigs at this kind of band and I like jam every week with these guys and then like I practice yeah. really hard with this other band. Yeah, I mean, it's really different. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, like that's kind of like Burn the Hostages, one of the bands that I do now, like they, well, they, I mean, we recorded these songs like eight years ago or nine years ago or something and then did nothing for nine years. And then we got, offered a show or maybe we maybe jason asked for us to play with i hate god or something and they said yes and so it was like oh we better become a band then (laughs) and like yeah so i mean that kind of and then yeah that that band i kind of thought like oh maybe we'll just do like one we'll play with i god and that'll be it and then we jammed a couple times and it was really good and then we played a couple shows and it was really good and then now we seemingly have been getting asked to play kind of regularly and we'd been jamming regularly and stuff. So that just like turned into another thing to do. <laughs> so it's like a little party. It's kind of like, ah, oh, fuck. Cause now it's like more things I have to do now. Like, you I mean, know, it's easy when you're like, yeah, sometimes like at like six forty-five when I have to go to band practice after working all day, I'm like, Oh fucking hell. I got to pick up my goddamn guitar amp now fucking drive my car out to wherever we're jamming and then i go and do it and it's real fun and then i drive home at 10 o'clock and i'm like fuck i gotta get up at six o'clock tomorrow now it's fucking goddamn band practice again like i don't know it's it's like the thing is though like i mean for me i i really like playing music so i love being a part of it and then i love playing shows and going to shows so like 
if I get to do those things, I'll put up with everything else. Like I'll put up with all the annoying stuff to just, as long as I can keep playing shows, which right now is why like coronavirus bums me out so much. Cause like the best part about playing music for me is playing shows and I fucking can't do it. So I'm like barely playing guitar right now because there's no, what's the end point? There's no reason for me to be good at guitar if I can't play shows. <laughs> I can't show off to anyone how good I am, mm. you know. They can't see it live. I mean, I'm obviously a person who demands a lot of attention as I do a fucking podcast and, like, I play in lots of bands and stand on stage. Like, it, I'd be kidding myself if I was acting like it was actually just, you know, for my art. It's actually just because I want people to pay attention to me. <laughs> oh, that is a feeling that cuts too deep on my end, man. That's for sure. Um <laughs> So let's talk about let's talk about specifically like so mental cavity. You were saying it's mostly just the uh, I exist dudes. How did another band kind of get birthed out of that, and how does it kind of diverge from the I exist sound? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it started because we, me, Alex, and Murph knew that the way things were going with everyone else in I exist, the stuff they had on their lives and things like that, was going to mean that I exist was going to have to slow down anyway. Um, like we got to a we got to a pretty decent point. Like we had records come out on a good label overseas, went overseas, we started getting offered other tours and things like that. And then a lot of it was getting hampered by, you know, people in the band having kids, some of us going to unis. I mean, I've lived here for the whole time basically that I exist has been a band and everyone else lives in Canberra. So that's another thing that's a you know, an added layer that's been difficult. Um and yeah, where other people were at with things with work, people wanted to move overseas, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, me, Alex and Murph just started Mental Cavity because we wanted to keep playing music together. Um, and I guess the idea when we started Mental Cavity was like, when I exist started, it was kind of like this, yeah, like a crusty punk type hardcore band. And then it became like a stoner metal band. Um, and we just sort of thought like, well, what if we just do a new band that kind of moves more in the direction like I exist probably would have gone had we not started putting like blues riffs in basically um and me and Alex do all the backing vocals in I exist so we're like well we'll just do we'll just sing and we'll just divide up the singing so that we'll both get like get better at it I guess um and then our friend Rowan who he played guitar um in a band called dead kings years ago and then now is in a bunch of really cool bands like a band called plowshare from canberra who are like really good like black death metal band um rowan uh played guitar for i exist on our european tour and then did a couple other shows with i exist in australia and stuff and was like you know the other guy in our band who wasn't properly in the band kind of thing Um, was he like the fourth guitarist yeah, I mean, if he's kind of like the fifth guitarist, in fact, to be honest. But um, yeah, so he, he, we just said to Rowan, like, oh, do you want to play? Do you want to play in this band with us? Is what it would sound like. And then, yeah, so that's how we started Mental Cavity. And then, I mean, I guess we just, I mean, I'm pretty good at writing songs with those guys in a quick turnaround. So we wrote uh, like an EP pretty quickly and then recorded it and then wrote a record pretty soon after that and then recorded that and then yeah kind of you know kicked it off a little bit and then now where mental cavities at the rowan has kind of taken over most of the writing of the songs and then i've sort of turned more towards looking at the singing um 
Rowan's a way as I am always faced with Rowan's a way better guitar player than me, but has a has has a bit better of a sense, I think, of like how to make this band a bit different as well. Cause I mean, obviously straight away, even though I don't think the songs sound too similar, right off the bat, people are like, Oh, this is just weird, I exist. Like it's not it's it's not too different too dissimilar or whatever, you know. But Rowan has taken it in a far different direction. I mean, now mental cavity is kind of like more like a death metal y type crusty hardcore band kind of thing i suppose um but yeah so i mean that, that's kind of how it how it diverted from one another i exist is far more like i suppose like palatable in the sense that it's more bluesy and got guitar solos and things like that and metal cavity is more fucking trim picking and brutal <laughs> yelling and stuff like that you know Tell us about why uh, I Exist's sound evolved. Like, you know, you're a <clears throat> unabashedly, you know, huge fan of I Had God. Was that a big part of it? Like trying to bring a bit more of that into that sound or like how did it evolve that way? I mean, I think despite that the four, I mean, the four or five of us that started the band at the time were all playing in hardcore bands. Like we all are like, you know, massive guitar music fans i suppose like love acdc love zeppelin love sabbath like we're all in from that world i suppose in at our core um so it kind of was like it's kind of natural i guess to get that stuff involved with it and yeah i mean at the time i was writing quite a lot of the songs and um yeah i mean i just love that stuff and that's what i'm I'm more drawn to playing the more bluesy side of guitar, I suppose. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, we just wrote a couple songs on our seven inch, like the first seven inch we put out had, they're still like those crust punky type songs, but they just, I just like put blues riffs in them. And then we started playing shows and people were like, loved the ones, all the songs of the blues riffs were the songs we got the best response to. And they were the ones we had the most fun playing and the groove parts and stuff like that. And then, yeah from those riffs almost we started getting asked to play like metal shows and then the band effectively became a more metal band because of that really you know and then i think once we all realized that that was the thing that we were good at together we just started writing that you know that that was the way that the songwriting went yeah right that's really cool it's a really organic way to up kind of update the style or kind of evolve it's not just like a hard left it's like a yeah oh no there was like a real oh real yeah progression there well and even even like on our first record like the first i exist record still is like i mean like half the songs are still like kind of crusty punk hardcore songs and then the other half are like full-on stoner like stoner metal songs like there's a pretty they're pretty hardly delineated in that one and then the next two records it's that sort of blended together a bit more you know it was like oil and water and it slowly just started yeah, yeah. to kind of like yeah you know we, fi- together. we figured Make- it out it only took us like awesome. five years but we got there <laughs> oh lordy i'm getting messages on my phone i should have had it on silent that's not cool um <laughs> Tell us about uh, unprofessional podcast. That's probably about the fifth time lately that my phone's gone <laughs> off in a podcast. Which I, but when your headphones are on, you kind of forget about other things, and then yeah, you're, like, you're oh, in your own shit. world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a world. There's a world outside that's uh, trying to ring me. Um, tell me about. So, burn the hostages is something that's really fun, and like it only came to my attention recently. You saying it's been around for eight years is like holy shit. So, like, yeah. tell us about how that started. Was this just kind of your friendship with Fuller? 
kind of evolving there or like yeah so i mean fuller recorded all the well in one way or another he recorded all the i exist albums there's one that he didn't produce technically but we recorded at his house so i mean he was there the whole time um and i guess he engineered it i suppose so and yeah like josh who plays guitar and i exist used to be in blood duster and that's how we met fuller through josh and that's how we ended up recording the first record with him and then just continuing on from that and um when we recorded the second like this record um i don't know if i mean it was a while ago now so i can't really remember but like me and him were just talking about starting a starting a band that sounded like i hate god because we both liked i hate god a lot um and then after we like we finished recording some part of the i exist record and we were like oh okay i'll just come around next week and we'll try and demo some stuff or something because he had obviously owns at the time owned a recording studio um and uh yeah so like i just showed him some riffs and then i played drums on those songs and he played like the scratch guitar and then i went over and did the proper guitar over top of it and then he played bass i think um and while we were doing that rowan from extortion um was doing like came in to do like a guest vocal part on the i exist record and he did that and then we showed him the burn the hostages burn the hostages stuff that we were like fucking around with and he was like i'll sing on that and then he came back like a week later and just recorded vocals over it and then that was like two of the songs and then like six months later maybe we recorded two more and did it the same thing and i think rowan played bass on those songs and fuller just played guitar maybe i don't know and then yeah that that was it and then rowan sent it off to a label that puts out extortion records overseas and never heard anything i never heard anything more after that point and then yeah i think i was scrolling through instagram like a year and a half ago maybe and on like the explore page i saw this cover art and it's the burn the hostages record and i made the artwork <laughs> like i cut and pasted the artwork and i clicked on it and i was like what the fuck who's got this because we made cds of it and like when we like i made like literally like burnt cds back when that was a thing and i just did a tour and i sold the cds on the tour um and so i thought it was like someone sharing a picture of the cd that i you know that they bought years ago or whatever and i clicked on it and it was this label in germany that was like burn the hostages 12 inch lp out now and i messaged rowan and i was like hey i guess this guy's put out this burn the hostages record can we fucking get some of them and rowan was like oh yeah i've got like 30 of them at my house and i was like can i have one can we can we see them um so I went and picked him up and talked to Fuller and we we're like, well, we've got them. We may as well sell them. And then that's, I think, when he asked about us playing with I Hate God, maybe. And then, then then it sort of became a band. And Andrea, who plays drums, is like, who's done this podcast before, obviously, as well. Um, she uh, I, she was friends with Fuller and Fuller just told, said to me and Rowan, like, oh, a friend of mine can play drums and she's a good drummer and she licks, listens to this sort of music too. Um and yeah, and then we, I mean, we jammed once and it was like, yep, she's perfect for this stuff. So let's, and I mean, for me, like a godsend that someone better than me at drums could 
just comfortably play the song so I don't have to play drums. Um, was there a fear for you to have to like step up and play the drums if you did it live and get someone else to play guitar and you're like, please, just yeah. play the guitar. And- I was a little bit worried because I, I mean, I only, I own most of a drum kit, like most of the parts of it, but I was, the biggest dread for me was like, fuck, I'll have to buy cymbals. Like, they're so expensive. Like, <laughs> imagine having to do that. Jesus Christ. And then, yeah. If only it was uh, going as willy-nilly as podcast gear, you know, you'd be Man. able to just pick up some cymbals from a mate. Mate, I've got hell podcast gear and no fucking drum shit to show for it at this point. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. So there's plans to keep all three of those going post-corona life. Yeah. They're all still got a bit of a lifespan. Yeah, we recorded some new Burn the Hostages songs. I think we're going to put them on the internet because there's, I mean, there's no way to get um, stuff out at the moment. So I think we're just going to do that in this in this time mental cavity is definitely still going to do stuff we were like trying to organize tours when everything shut up i exist is you know will probably just be a band forever so we'll keep doing that i i mean i plan this i plan another band in melbourne like a, a hardcore band called year of the rat and we are doing stuff too in the background and then just before well i mean not like since last year i've been playing bass with extortion but I mean, who will at some point be a band again, I guess. But now that coronavirus happened, like, who the fuck knows? <laughs> so, like... But yeah, certainly I exist. Metal Cavity and Burnout Hostages will keep... I'll keep doing stuff for that. Yeah, just keep it at that steady level of, like, three bands. Yeah, yeah three to five at any given time. <laughs> Always a good, good staple for me. Oh, that's excellent, man. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this new direction of the podcast. I'm loving sure. it, by the way. I've only listened Thanks. to a couple so far because you've put out like 10. Quite a few, <laughs> yes. Couple of weeks. Yeah. And I find that I realize now that in isolation, I don't listen to podcasts when I sit. I listen when I drive. So yeah. at the moment, like you're not going anywhere, like the podcast queue is just filling up, you know? Yeah. So I got to like, I got to find myself some time to like sit. I think... I was talking to Matt Cleary about this and about, I think it's usually with podcasts, I really want to avidly listen, you know? Yeah. And if I miss a little bit of a chunk of like, oh, what did you say about that thing? I I need to listen to the whole thing like an audio book, you know? Whereas some people, uh, like Mal, she'll just like kind of have it on in the background. It's almost like talk radio that just plays. Yeah. So I think, I think the thing is you need to do, I need to have these headphones on like and just have them on while I'm around the house doing stuff. So like it's always going. Otherwise, if I like leave the room, I have to pause and break the flow and it's no good. So look, this is just me rambling about my own, you know, <laughs> your podcast shortcomings listening as a, habits. As a, yeah. But what I, I guess um, it was so exciting to have you back in my ears again, but then also the fact that there's this new format, which is really cool. Can you tell the listeners about how you've changed it up this time around? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess the idea was just to talk to people about a record or records or something that, they, that they're that really passionate about for one reason or another. Um, I guess most people have kind of interpreted that as being their favorite record, which is fine. And then others have just taken it as like a record they really like and they have a lot to talk about. Um, so, it's been really cool. And I mean, I guess it's a good way to weave in and talk about the things that that person does creatively, whatever that might be, whether they're uh, in a band or they're a photographer or they're a graphic designer or they work in the arts somehow, like, and how the music of the record they're speaking about has influenced whatever they might be doing. Um, 
And then I guess secondary to that, the kind of the, the pitch to most people was if I've heard the record, great. If I haven't heard it, even better because then it will like, it will force me to listen to it and it will force me to ask them more about it. Um, and so, I mean, I think so far I've only done maybe far of the, whatever it is, like 14 that I've done recorded. Um, I think maybe only like five of them are records that I sort of actively either like or know myself all the rest have been like bands I've heard of, but haven't heard the record or like, a, like I had Nate who plays bass in Converge. He did one and he picked a U2 record. And like, I obviously know who U2 are and I know a lot about U2, but like, I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to a U2 record the whole way through. So it forced me to do that. And I really liked it. So, you know, it's sort of, it's pushing that, uh, that onto me a little bit more as well. So, yeah, I mean that that was kind of the idea to to make it to make it a little bit more a little bit less about so much specifically the guest but give some more elements to it. Like the guest is talking about themselves and their path, I'm talking about my interaction with them and the record and then we've got the record and then how the record has influenced them but also how it's influenced music and the story of the record and I think the funniest thing that we've been getting into with it as well is that like we've absolutely been just claiming things that we read on wikipedia or think about the record as facts and i have sort of decided at this point after doing them that i'm absolutely not fact checking anything and i will happily be challenged about the things that i'm saying on the podcast but like if it's on there and i i've read it on the internet and i believe it to be true that's what i'm putting out there to be true like i'm not diving too much deeper into it than that it's so funny because it's so true like when you're in podcast world right now in our little world right now with our headphones mm. in and you know nothing matters it's like you can just say stuff like yeah i heard this thing or i'm pretty sure yeah. that happened and then like you never go back you're never gonna fucking fact check your podcast that you just recorded like no one's got time for that no and like half the stuff i mean the one about Ann Justice, I think me and Lee just spent like half the thing talking about things about Metallica that we like or that we know. And I'm certain half of them probably aren't true. And then, I mean, I, I did one the other day with a friend and I talked pr pretty well at length. I mean, probably five minutes of me solo conversation of just talking about how Jimmy Barnes tried out for Van Halen. And I don't know if that's true, but I'm certain I've heard it as a story. So I'm retelling it <laughs> like... It might just be an urban myth, but I'm fairly sure he did try out for Van Halen and I have a story about it. So I I kind of made that up myself, you know? Oh, I love that, man. I think that's fantastic. Like, I think it's, it's one of those things that like as well, like whoever remembers that fact that you tell them on the podcast, they're not going to remember they heard it from you. They're no. just going to tell the story again about, oh, did you hear about how Jimmy Barnes tried out for... And, yeah. then, and then it just becomes this thing that it's like the... You, I think you mentioned on one of the podcasts, the Marilyn Manson ribs thing. Yeah. Or like a Richard Gere gerbil situation. Like hmm. you could just spread a rumor and then it just takes like such I mean, wildfire with that kind of thing that you just assume it could be think, like it could be real. The internet's already doing it anyway in my fucking podcast that... A couple hundred people listen to is not going to like it's not going to really change too much about that you know jimmy barnes isn't going to come after you don't reckon i mean i'd love jimmy barnes to come after me if he he can come after me all he wants as long as he comes on the podcast 
Yeah, maybe that's uh, uh we had I had this idea just the other day when uh, we had uh, Mal on the show. I was like, maybe we should start starting celebrity beefs with people just to see if we can get like news headlines like local podcast slams this person. And they'd be like, oh sweet. It's like maybe you get some listens from that shit. People do it all the time, right? Hey, you know. Any press is good press, obviously. A Jimmy Barnes episode would be amazing. Is there anything you'd want to ask him particularly if you had him on, if we could make this happen? Yeah, 100%. Like, I would love to know how he has maintained a singing voice the way he sings. I would love to know how he drank as much as he used to drink and still... I mean, the dude can still sing. Like, that is the thing that is the the most mind-boggling to me. And even if it is... Even if people are critical of the fact that it is very screamy... The dude has been singing music loud for like, I mean, 40, 50 years or whatever. Like, I would love to know how he's managed to do that and what is fueling that. I mean, my dad, again, maybe I'm just going to tell a complete bullshit Jimmy Barnes story. So maybe he'll come after me. But like, my dad told me a story once about he went and saw them, I guess, when he was really young. And he was like, Jimmy Barnes just drank a whole bottle of vodka while they were playing the show. Like, from like, just whatever like a Stolichnia bottle or something was on the piano and he was just drinking straight out of the bottle he just drank it the whole show and I was like if I drank a whole bottle of vodka while I was playing a set I would spew for sure but also like how would I be able to cohesively sing music like I wouldn't be able to do that so and not only like when I sing it's just I mean singing is a very generous term it's literally barking into a microphone but I mean, that dude holds notes, you know. I, that I'd have a lot to ask him about his capacity through alcohol. I think you need to like build a little shrine to Jimmy Barnes in your in your office somewhere, and just like kind of meditate on it, and maybe it'll just come closer towards you. Maybe you can make this dream a reality, you know. Yeah, or if I just buy heaps more of his merch, like I did with like God, maybe I'll just sweat my way into being a friend with him. To who knows. Is Jimmy Barnes still doing shows? He do kind of like those day on the green kind of things? Or yeah, like, absolutely. Is that now? Yeah, and I think I think Cold Chisel still play shows and stuff every now and then, like, you know, festivals and things like that. He can do it, man. He can sing. <laughs> it's me fluffing up Jimmy Barnes's feathers to get him on my podcast. You could just finally ask him, be like, did you drink a whole bottle of vodka on stage? You'd be like, yeah. And you're just like, Fuck. Great. Nice. End podcast. How, how did you do that? <laughs> Please explain physically how you manage that. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, um, uh, how are you feeling? Like, a, can we do the lightning round, finish up and uh, wrap yeah. this thing? Or is there anything yeah. else you'd like to talk about? Anything you want to plug while you're in ISO? Well, I mean, I've talked about all my bands in the podcast. So, no, that's everything that I do. Maybe play, me, about on, those- play me on Words with Friends. That's the other thing I'm doing a lot of right now. <laughs> Is Words with Friends the Scrabble one? Yeah. Yeah, nice. What I loved about that app was it, it like has that hard and fast rule of what you can and can't post. Whereas when you play Scrabble, there's the debate of like, oh yeah, but this word, yeah. like, it's not a word, but Words with Friends just, there's no room. There, it's like either that's not a word or it is. There are a lot of words in there though that are like, who has ever heard of this word? And then you Google it and it is a word. So, you know, you're do you the ever, dummy. Do you ever try to just like put the words in there and just like press tick and just see if it goes oh, and yeah. it might that's, say yes or it might that's say how no. you, that's the game plan you just keep sliding up letters until something gives you the biggest score and then you flick it off you know 
What about um? I've seen some cool. You've done some cool Instagram videos lately. Oh like, yeah. There was one of like Star Trek, and there was the Ace Ventura one as well. Yeah. Like, I'm a, I'm what, a, what kind of? Sp- I'm a big Star Trek fan, so a a, a real Trekkie. Um, but I no, I don't know. I'm just fucking bored and sitting around. I'm watching heaps more TV and heaps more movies than I usually do. So to help, you know, just I don't know, dissuade my boredom. I've been um making little funny videos about it and i mean the other thing that i've been doing is like every week when i've been devoting some time on the weekend to drinking and listening to music i've been like asking questions on my instagram and like getting people to tell me answers to it so like i'm just i don't know just trying to talk to people in more ways that aren't me just sitting with my dog (laughs) like it's quite lonely in this this house with just me and her so <laughs> that's awesome man and it's 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 welcomed because it's it's cool and i think that you know people posting their top 20 albums or you starting the podcast again or there's just a lot of you're right there are a lot of different ways to kind of interact with your friends that aren't necessarily yeah. like going to a show um i think something for me that i was talking to Matt about the other day is that i finally found the value in like party chat on playstation online sure like because that's just like oh shit i never really did this before but then like now you can get all your mates together. You can talk some shit, shoot some guys, you know, it's yeah, a good time. Perfect. It's like a separate way to, to be social. Yeah, exactly. It was like all those excuses back in the day when people would play like World of Warcraft and stuff and they'd be like, no, it's actually really social. Like I've got heaps of friends on there and now it's actually like, oh yeah, fuck. This those is, people are still probably. This is it. This is their best. This is their time, you know? So it's like, if we went into World of Warcraft now, I'm just going to be some little newbie level one guy. And there's going to be guys with like mad sores, like, this is my fucking whole world, you know? Yeah. Stepping and, in. and huge friendship groups all on there with them. <laughs> People's future husbands and wives, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to jump into the quick fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Analog or digital? Uh, digital. Why? Uh, it's easier to use. I think I, I, I get the value of a lot of analog stuff. I mean, actually, I don't know. Guitar stuff, analog. Listening to music, doing stuff in the real world, digital. <laughs> Put it that way. Making podcasts, digital. Digital, yes. I don't want to f- record a podcast to tape and then somehow email, like post it to someone who has an email address that can put it up for me. <laughs> uh, what time did you wake up today? Uh, seven o'clock. Last thing you read? Uh, I'm kind of, well, audiobook isn't really list, uh, reading, no, but I counts. suppose it is. I'm listening to June again, the sci-fi novel. Oh, are you getting ready for that new Denny villain, mm. villain new movie? Like yeah, I saw, the, I saw the pictures from it and I got real revved up. So I started listening to June again. <laughs> What did you think of the uh, the previous one? Was it the David Lynch one? Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. It's like a, I mean it just looks kind of shitty now because it's a you know an older movie. But I mean, again, admittedly, I'm right now rewatching all of Star Trek: The Next Generation, so everything looks kind of shitty. But <laughs> I just like I just Have really checked- like sci-fi stuff. So yeah, yeah. Have you checked out the uh, Jordowski's Dune that doco? Have you watched that? No. Oh man, you would fucking love it. So it's essentially there was this 
crazy dude in like the 70s, like this weird art director. And he made a movie called Holy Mountain, which I can only assume is reference to like, you yeah, know, yeah. sleep, Holy Mountain, stuff like that. And then he had this idea to make this crazy Dune movie back in the day. And he'd got all these people involved, like Mick Jagger and like, I think maybe Andy Warhol was involved and like all this trippy shit. And then the whole thing fell apart and it's the doco about the story of this dude oh. trying to make the movie that Fuck then yeah. turned into being this totally different one with uh, David Lynch and replacing it with this guy and that guy and whatever. So you should check that out. I'll send you I'm, a link to the IMDb after this. Yes, definitely, Kane. Because, yeah, after seeing that and then saying they're going to do this new one, I'm like, oh, fuck, I hope it's uh, maybe retained some of that weirdness they were trying to go yeah, for yeah. the first one that never happened, you know? <laughs> um, what's your first memory? Um probably riding a bike with my opa when i was a little kid he used to take me around on his bike all the time i just remember that for some reason like is in in the like was it a separate seat or you were in a basket yeah or you i was like on the i was it, there was like a seat on the front and he used to just ride me around his suburb in canberra and i just for some reason it's like burnt into my brain doing that and i was definitely like two years old so i don't know how i remember that that's really nice. Um, what's uh, oh tea or coffee? Neither. I don't drink hot drinks. What? Yeah, that's a real controversial one as a grown-up person in society. No, I don't. I don't really like hot drinks. I mean, I drink a hot chocolate, but my problem is I don't like sitting on a drink. I just like slamming it down, and you can't do that with hot drinks. Also. I had an operation in my mouth when I was a kid and it killed a lot of the nerve endings in my mouth. Um, so I can't, like I can put a block of ice between my teeth and it can melt and I can't feel it in my mouth. But it, Whoa. but my tongue obviously still has sensitivity in it. And whenever I eat hot or drink hot stuff, I burn my tongue. Like I'll, I'll probably burn my tongue every day and hot drinks are just too risky for me. So I just don't do them at all. It's a weird, keep it cold. A, a weird thing about me. There you go. Is this why you think you've leaned so heavy into, you know, you're known as drinking a beer quite often, you know, like that's yeah. what I think you take pride in. Is that why? Because you're like, well, I have to drink this because I can't have a coffee or a tea. I mean, yeah. I mean, I love drinking beer. Alcohol rules. But um, like I also- Alcohol rules. Yeah, it does. I got no pro- It's one of the best things to do. Um, no, I, I really, my other vice other than, I mean, I drink a lot of water. But I also drink a lot of Coke Zero. That's my other vice. So it's probably in the tiers of things I like. Water's the best. Coke Zero is the next best. But beer is great. But you just can't drink it when you go to work. So, like, if I could drink beer every day, I would. But I can't. So <laughs> That's amazing. Last thing you cooked. Uh, uh, like a big spaghetti bolognese last night. Was it big just so you had heaps of it to eat while you're in yes. lockdown? Yes, I'm, I'm doing a... I am actually... I, I really like cooking, but also I'm just being conscious of not leaving the house. So I'm making things in large portions and freezing them so that I'm sort of rotating my food and not... I don't like doing stuff like making food one night and then eating it every night for the week because it's boring. So I'll make like a different thing every day and then freeze half of it and then every other day I'll swap what that food is. That I think you've literally cracked it. That is the best way you should be cooking food. Like I always feel guilty if I cook something and there's no leftovers. You're like, yeah. come on, like what was the point of that? Like I've just uh, 
cooked I, a meal to eat it. I could have just got takeout. I don't know how to cook for less than like four people and I'm by myself right now. So every meal I make is four days worth of food. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, if you were reborn, uh, who or what would you like to be? Um, something that didn't have to go to work for a living. So, I mean, either someone who gets paid to talk to people about music, play guitar or drink beer or an animal that can just chill. I mean, my dog lives a fucking life of luxury. So maybe come back as a greyhound because like she sleeps, she eats, she chills, she farts heaps and that's it. She gets a lot yeah, of attention. She gets to wear sweet outfits. I've seen that she uh, she's got a couple of cool outfits. She does. She's got a lot of coats. She's probably just ruined my whole bed right now, making herself really comfortable in there. So maybe a greyhound. A greyhound that someone like me owns. That's what I'd come back as. A sucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's also something about like, yeah, the fashion with a greyhound. Because a lot of people, when it comes to like dogs, don't dress them up. But greyhounds, it's almost like everyone with a greyhound has like multiple outfits for the greyhound, which I love very They've much. They've got to. She's so fucking cold. Otherwise, she wouldn't be able to survive without him. That's excellent. Um, what inspires you? Music. <clears throat> Listening to music. Um, having friends. Talking to friends. Sci-fi. <laughs> Those are the things that I are on my brain all the time. No, I think like just inter- interacting with creativity is what inspires me. So whether it's music or m- movies or TV shows or friends that are creative or ideas that are pushing things forward and um interesting in some respect like yeah creative stuff i would say yeah it makes sense that you would start a podcast as well because i think that you and i have that in common with that kind of just general inquisitive nature where you're just like i just want to know about stuff you know like yeah i find everything interesting absolutely and i think that that's that's really cool uh last record you played um let's find out i'll open my spotify and tell you so efficient yeah this is a real uh obscura by gorguts was the last record i listened to nice um favorite piece of musical equipment um probably my guitar amp it's quite i've had it for you can probably see it in fact it's like right there it's um yeah uh it's an old laney gh100 i got it when i was like 17 i bought it for 500 bucks and i've had it since and it's been on every record that i've played guitar on so yeah that'd be it sick um last movie you saw uh last movie like a new movie or just literally the last movie i watched similar to gore guts just like what was the last thing you had on you said you had star trek next star trek what about the star movies, trek though? first contact i watched it last night <laughs> Do and the then, movies and the like the chronology line like do you watch the movies after the show or yeah, is it Yeah, you watch them after the show. But the I don't know, I was watching an episode and they talked about something that happened in an earlier one and then I wanted to see the payoff immediately. I didn't want to wait three more seasons and two movies, so I just went straight to that movie and watched it and then went back to the TV show. 
There's been a lot of talk of sci-fi. Before we go, we'll have to kind of talk a little bit more at length about that, but we'll keep on with sure. the uh, rapid fire because uh, I want to fucking talk to you about some sci-fi. Uh, who do you love? Uh, my girlfriend, my dog, my family, my friends. Uh, we said, uh, Do you have any pets? But we know you've got a greyhound. What's this greyhound's name? Uh, her name's Mabel. She is a, a girl greyhound that is lovely but also the most annoying thing in the world and has consumed my entire being since we got her three years ago so yes that's good and you've spoiled her enough to the fact that you want to be a greyhound later so that's probably a good sign that there's, yeah uh, there's some i mean love there. the amount of money i've spent on her over the last like three years is relative to the amount of money i've spent on myself so yeah clearly i could and she doesn't have to fucking do anything for it, so. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, are you useful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I play in a lot of bands, so I've played guitar for a lot of people. I've written songs in, for bands that I'm not in anymore, so. And I work with kids and have done for, m like, my entire adult life, so their parents can thank me for fucking raising their kids for them. So tell us a little bit about let's let's diverge while we're here because we mm -hmm. won't stay too long. But I want to know about your kind of this childcare stuff. How did that come about? It's not something that you would think uh, a beer drinking, heavy metal, hardcore dude like yourself would kind of end up in childcare. How did that happen? Um, I <clears throat> should have listened to my mum and went to uni as soon as I finished school, and I didn't. I thought I could play death metal forever, which you obviously can't. Um, and then very quickly, I needed a job. Um, and then I got, I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me and I went to pick her up from after school care and they had an ad for a job at after school care. So I took a job at after school care, um, and have subsequently now been working in before and after school care for nearly 15 years and have a teaching degree. And it's just been like the other thing that I'm good at. I'm good at talking to people i'm good at metal i'm good at that stuff and then i'm good at looking after kids and teaching and i'm, I'm now like a manager at a company so i'm good at managing people so i do that now oh that's fantastic all those uh skills all just really blend in together there pretty well uh, yeah that's great um what's your biggest fear um probably like this lasting forever and not getting to see people because I really thrive off social interaction. <laughs> oh, you and me both, man. It's terrifying. Mm. Uh, what do you value the most? Uh, probably relationships with people, the friendships with the friends that I have, the relationship I have with my family and my girlfriend and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the friendships that I've developed through playing music and stuff like that, it's been the best thing to come out of playing guitar is that I've made lots of friends because of it. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Mm. Um, what voice can you do? Is there any voices you're good at doing? Other than my own? Yeah, like 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 voicing a character or like, a, oh. you know, can you do any accents or anything? Well, I mean, I had an American accent until I was like 12, so I can kind of like... I think I'm like better at doing an American accent than most Australians are because Australians lose on like A's and R's. They can't hit it hard enough. Like give me an example of a word that would be like you need to do it legit that people are doing wrong. 
like orange saying like an Australian trying to do an American accent and saying orange, they won't hit the R hard enough. So it's like orange, but they'll. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I straight up had an American accent until I was like 13 years old. So, but like, yeah, they don't, they just don't hit the, they don't hit those things hard. And like when Australians try and say passport, they can't turn the A off. So it'd be like passport, not passport like they can't hit they can't find it it's it bothers me a lot when i see like chris hemsworth for example in who i think is great and i love marvel movies but like he can't just make him australian stop making him talk in a british accent stop making him talk in an american accent just uh, let him be australian I know, right <laughs> like like even with like men in black it's like why is he putting on this weird english accent it's yeah. like just be aussie That's just what let I him be australian who cares because it was just in a, in in a yeah. track, she's like, yeah, you're right, mate, you're right, and it was just like really. Like, well, I just so hope, Aussie. I was I was really hoping that in that the Taika Waititi Thor movie, he would just let him be Australian now, and that now that they're making another one together, I hope his accent just goes completely Australian. <laughs> like, just let him. Did do you it. see the um? There were these little short videos on YouTube. It was like where Thor was during Civil War, and it's yeah, like yeah. he's hanging out with just this like Aussie. Did you? Yeah, it's great. Love it. Like, I just want a whole movie of that. Like, I just want that style, you know? Just him <laughs> just fucking around, being an absolute jerk to everyone around him. It's great. Yeah. Um, anime or Disney? Uh, probably Disney, to be honest. I work with kids. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be showing any of that anime stuff. It's got weird, like, titties and tentacles and all kinds yeah, exactly. of shit. You, know? you know what you're in for. <laughs> I, like, I like what it's informed, but I like probably Disney stuff better. Uh, this next one, Star Wars or Star Trek? You've obviously you've mentioned Trek, Star Trek multiple sure. times this episode already. Can yeah. you tell us why everyone is uh, wrong for liking Star Wars more? I don't think everyone's wrong for. I mean, I love Star Wars as well. I just think, I think Star Wars is like honestly, I think it is for kids. Like it is designed to sell toys. It is designed as a franchise that's palatable for children, which is great. I love it all. I think Star Trek is dork, nerd, sci-fi shit for adults. Like, kids like it, but, I mean, there's fucking... There's morals, there's romance stuff in it. There's a lot about... If you watch all through all the seasons and the movies and stuff, there's so much stuff about sex and so much stuff about gender and so much stuff about, like, politics woven into it. It's definitely more for, like, for grown-ups, I guess. Very cool. Um... Autobots or Decepticons? Autobots. Even though I like metal, I like the good guys to win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you more of a Batman or a Robin? Uh, Batman. I want the attention for myself all the time. I gotta be at the front. <laughs> There's no fucking Robin signal, mate. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, and who was your favorite Ninja Turtle? It was Raphael when I was a kid, and I think probably for the same reason... As this, like, he was always trying to get attention, but not as much as Michelangelo, but he was still a badass. And he had the little, you know, scythe think three prong thing that was cool. Yeah, I was a big Raphael fan when I was a kid. Sick. Um, what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of? Hmm. I don't know. I think probably at one point I would have thought The Matrix, but... Actually, I probably could watch The Matrix every day. Um, I don't know. Probably something... Yeah, I don't know. Like a sci-fi movie like like The Matrix or like 
um like maybe prometheus i like a lot i don't know why i just am happy to watch it all the time that's probably it's one a controversial of the- choice you yeah know? like yeah there's a lot of people, i mean there's a lot of hate for prometheus yeah i don't know why i mean i like all the alien movies too but like i think prometheus is unreal i love that movie. from like a cinematic looking level yeah. like prometheus looks incredible like yeah, it great. really is but it's it's only when you start digging into the plot holes of that movie that you start just being like how the fuck did they miss a lot of yeah. this stuff you know like that's what bugs me about it you're just sitting there thinking about the mechanics of filmmaking you're like <laughs> did no one think behind the scenes to be like or in the editing room to be like we need to fucking make sure we put some exposition about this one bit or like explain away all the things that just like wait what <laughs> but like i'm i'm a big fan of michael fassbender and he's a boss so yeah. i'll watch him in anything you know yeah he rules um uh what country do you want to visit the most i feel like you've probably been to a lot of countries already but is there anywhere that's like escaped your grasp yeah i've never been to like italy or greece or spain i'd really like to go to all those countries obviously not right now while they're dealing with this the worst but um you know i've never i've been to europe a bunch of times in my life but i've never been to those countries so i'd love to go there excellent um and famous last words literally the first thing that came to my head was i'll be back and it's <laughs> it's it's not even his last words <laughs> he just said it uh, but that's a pretty good one right i'll be back yeah fucking oath I have, uh, there's some, there's some Terminator toys scattered around this room right now. It's T2 is my favorite movie of all time. I don't know why that came to my head. Like it was like the second you finished saying it, I was like, I'm back. That's it <laughs> straight away. And that's why it's such a good one. Like, uh, some of the questions I think about whether I should like, should I put some in sometimes, take some out sometimes, should I rotate around a little bit? But that one's always fun. Cause yeah, it just catches people off guard and they just say some of the weirdest shit. It's great. <laughs> Happy to oblige. <laughs> Oh, excellent. Well, before we go, I just want to talk a little bit about some sci-fi shit because it's not often that people come on that are so, you know, flying that flag so proudly like you Revved are. Like, up. Tell us about where your love of uh, sci-fi started. Um, I think just, I, I, well, yeah, I think probably The Matrix. I watched it when it came out when I was a kid. Um, it came out when I lived in Shanghai. And like, I remember watching it and being really excited by... I don't know. I mean, I was obviously quite young when it came out, but it like, I just really loved the look of it. And then through that and Star Wars and stuff, I just loved like the storytelling of stuff that doesn't, I mean, it's not, obviously it's founded in some sense of reality, but it doesn't need to align with anything. It's time, you know, it's relatively timeless as well because it's not founded in, in something that's happening right now. It's just, it can always be there. It can always be happening kind of thing. And I think as well, yeah. I really, I really like a lot of like the um, outside imagination that gets brought into things like sci-fi storytelling, like that they have to create a whole new thing somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And the Matrix soundtrack was pretty fucking bitching as well. Oh so. yeah. You know, good cross section of dance music, hip hop, fucking Rage Against the Machine. It was all in there. Goth metal shit right up my alley yeah it was the same because uh, if if your email dimebag 88 is uh is to go off were you born in 88 so you're like 31 yes. now yeah so yeah that would have hit like same so i'm born in the same year so it was the same deal i remember i watched the matrix for the first time on new year's eve 99 yeah and we rented it like the one night higher and i watched it that night after my parents already watched it and then i got up early to watch it again before it was returned to oh, the video store i was like no 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 just get give me just give me another go gotta <laughs> like, love it it was yeah, dude. And I, look, I, I, it's one of those movies that I watch like 
once a year or so yeah. just to kind of like remember if it's as good as you like is it as good as i remember and you're like yeah it is the only thing that i've started to notice as i've gotten older is because it was all filmed in sydney mm. is that like a lot of the kind of minor characters in the film are like clearly australian actors yep. struggling to do the american accent 100%. like you were saying before ha- half of them like, are from neighbors like it's wild yeah yeah like that one line, the girl with the white rabbit tattoo, it's like, you're someone from home and away. And it's just like the most non-convincing and line of dialogue. It's the worst American accent ever for two seconds. And it's just got so many Australian holes in it. <laughs> so talk to me about Star Trek. How did that come about? Like, and then did you watch the movies first or was it like the show? And then like, you were like, oh fuck, there's 10, 11, 12 movies yeah. to watch now, you know? I think the movies, I, I really liked, I liked the movies the next generation cast movies a lot when i don't know when i saw them when i was at some point when i was younger a teenager and a friend of mine when we were kids we lived to like he he lived at my house when we were younger and he really liked them as well so we just used to watch them all and then one day we went to the video store and just hired the whole star trek section so like the whole all all the old movies all the next gen movies and just went home and watched them all over the course of like a weekend and then from there, I obviously went back and watched the shows and things like that. And then, and I just love the next generation cast and that era of the sh- the storyline is my favorite. So I just love that stuff so much. What about the newer stuff like Discovery and the yeah. Picard show? Have you been watching any of that? Is that, yeah. where does that stand for you? Yeah. I mean, I really like Discovery. I think it's kind of a bit. I mean, there's parts of it that I don't really like, but I like it's filmed really well. It's made really well. It's very, it the visually it's in line with the newer movies and I like the newer movies. Picard was really good. I'm really revved up for them to make more of that. So, I mean, obviously, because he's the main character in the one that I like the most. So, yeah, I love it. Does, he, does it feel like picard is picard still like is patrick stewart kind of jumped back into that role or does it feel a bit uh, different or like feels a little bit different to me i think he's playing it more like patrick stewart less like picard but i mean also in the show i think he's meant to be like 95 years old now so obviously you develop as a person so maybe that's how he's playing it you know that's awesome man um i uh i don't really know where else to go should we end it on on patrick stewart everyone could just think about yeah. that nice bald head of everyone just, ended uh, on patrick stewart i've gone bald recently so i'm modeling my look after him now so you know you're making it so i'm making it making it so baby <laughs> well thanks so much for taking the time to come on this show and uh congratulations on bringing the show back it's very exciting everyone can go and jump in and listen to all those 14 and growing episodes and uh, get a bit of an insight to your musical background and all the guests which you've been having on like great little cross section of guests you've got on which is really exciting heaps of international dudes which is sweet so yeah. you know it's uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to get well I'm back at work now so like work has begun so I'm driving back and forth again now so podcasts are like cracking again so I'm stoked <laughs> well thank you very much for having me mate it was sick Hey, how's it going, listeners? Welcome to the Post Ramble. Um, not going to talk too long, but there is something we need to talk about. An elephant in the room, if it were, as it were. Um, Ten of Pentacles, what the fuck's going on, right? So, listeners, if you remember, I said that uh, you could scream into your cast areas if I had the thing wrong, which I did with the Matt Cleary episode because we had Ten of Pentacles was Luke Toomey. 
don't even remember that. So, but all I remember that he was describing that there was like a tower of Bologna or something where he was, and I didn't even take notice that was the Ten of Pentacles. So, we've had it with Matt Cleary, and then we've had it again with Aaron Osborne. Now, I dropped those cards off to Aaron's place, and I said, yo, you know, give him a good shuffle and just pick out the one you like. He's like, is there any rules? I'm like, no, that's pretty much the rules. Now, when he took a photo and sent it to me, and it was the same card, I'm like, did he just pull it off the top? And he said he had, like, done a real good shuffle on them. So there's obviously something we're missing there. So, listeners, uh to have a real good think about the way that Luke and Matt and now Aaron have all read that card and see what kind of uh, that means to you. Maybe there's just something to do with the fact that like there's some kind of loop, like a sun or a moon cycle or a day cycle. And maybe because truth be told, that episode with Matt was recorded, I think the day before the episode with Aaron, which was last week. So maybe it was just like, you know, when you... When you pull the tarot card, you get like one per day, you know, and maybe we were still on the same cycle and that's why the same card came out again. I don't know, but the cards are starting to have a bit of a mind of their own. If you listen to the Mel McInnes episode, you'd know that uh, that Wheel of Fortune has been haunting her tarot reading for the past couple of months as well. So I feel like as much as this started as a funny gimmick, it's now starting to kind of like take hold as like, oh shit, okay, I think I am beholden to the cards in some way. And maybe you guys are too now as listeners. I don't know. I don't want you to get roped into this weird tarot cult that's potentially going to start now because of this, but I feel like it's time to just let them lead the way. You know, I'm just not going to make my own decisions anymore. Just let the tarot decide. No, that's that's a joke. I'm not actually going to do that, but maybe a little bit. Um... This episode with Aaron was great. It was via isolation, uh, chatting on the internets, and it went really well. I hope you really enjoyed listening to Aaron. I loved getting to hear his kind of origins in a kind of sped up way, because I'm sure that you'd already have listened to him and heard a bit of those stories before, but it was great to have all that kind of stuff talked about and his love of Star Trek, which I'm very obsessed with. I'm obsessed with anyone that's obsessed with like Star Trek because it's just so nerdy and awesome. Like, and I just, um, I wear my nerd flag proud that was terrible that's a bad analogy i wear my nerd stuff on my sleeve there we go um (laughs) and uh i will love other people that do it too especially in the heavy scene where it's like no it's cool to be like a nerd but also into heavy metal or hardcore or whatever um so that was cool and uh yeah really enjoyed having him on if you go uh, head over to Oblivious Maximus, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, check it out because very soon I actually featured on uh, an episode of this new format and we talked about Dillinger Escape Plan's Miss Machine. Um, so we recorded that uh, just last night. So that'll probably go up in like a week or so. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, keep your ears peeled for that. I'm not really sure how many Aaron's got in the queue. He has been recording like a madman, as you heard, since Corona time. So it'll pop up at some point and you can hear us have a chat about why I love Dillinger Escape Plan so much, which, look, spoiler alert, I don't really know, to be honest, but we had a really good chat about it. And I really enjoyed the cultural exchange of podcasting, which has been really fun. And, uh, you know, that's a great little way to start a friendship between Aaron and I, which is really fun. So... Yeah, go check out Oblivious Maximus, listen to all the episodes and go back and check out some of the previous episodes of these if you missed them. We've got a couple more coming up soon and with these restrictions being lessened, it's going to be hopefully um, even easier to try and get some more episodes happening as well. So I hope everyone's staying safe as much as that is a kind of empty, (laughs) an empty sentiment, but I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone's doing good and I hope everything will be back to normal soon enough. Have a good one and I will see you very soon.